Hey everybody, welcome to LexLine, brought to you in conjunction with our friends at Rug Radio, where we talk about the new latest developments in Web3 blockchain NFT. We mix in some legal talk as part of the conversation, but of course nothing we talk about should be considered legal or financial advice. As always, the disclaimer is if you have a legal question, don't talk about it on a live Twitter space, but consult a lawyer, do it privately, so you have that wonderful thing called attorney-client privilege. Also, if you join our conversation today, know that this is a live talk and it's recorded and we will rebroadcast this conversation across our podcast platforms apple and spotify so if you missed the live conversation today you can always hear the conversation back on one of our podcast platforms i'm going to give it a second for the room to fill up a little bit and then i'm going to bring up our friend Kloss. i'm very excited for this conversation been a long time since i've had a chance to catch up with Kloss, and looking forward to hearing what he is doing in the space so I'm going to mute for a second, and then we'll come back and chat. All right. Klaus, I have to first off apologize for the little bit of a time screw-up that was on my part. I intended to schedule this space for 12.30 Eastern time and realized at 12.30 Eastern time that I actually scheduled it for 1.30 Eastern time. So I apologize for that, and I hope that didn't affect a lot of the people who wanted to join the conversation. But I want to jump into the conversation because... Even if people miss it live, I know we do get a great deal of individuals who check in with us on the podcast. So I want to start by giving you a chance to introduce yourself. Who are you? And how do you fit into this wonderful space we call Web3? Appreciate it, Carlo. Um, great to be on the podcast. And also, you know, it has been quite a while since we caught up. So looking forward to the conversation. Uh, a little context on me. So I've been in Web3 now about actually two years little over two years started in November of 21 um, and since then have kind of you know blossomed in my own way um, you know there's different kind of I would say facets to web3 whether there's you know devs creators builders founders etc um, but found somewhat of a niche within a community that ended up being psychedelics anonymous and from there um, you know, kind of found my footing on kind of making content for different teams, as well as being kind of somewhat of a consultant slash advisor uh, for teams that are dealing with, you know, community management or, you know, just trying to reshuffle after, you know, the endurance of the bear that we just went through and, and trying to refine the, their footing kind of in this place now uh, before we kind of get back to the market. It seems like, um, you know, people are speculating that we may be back but we shall see um and from there you know i've always been kind of very kind of i would say involved with psychedelics um and nonprofits. so those are just you know, things that are very i would say you know close to home for me and things that i'm passionate about and then outside of that um worked in textiles the last 10 years i've uh, primarily been in ad tech uh, but also, you know, some some other facets as well, and that kind of perfectly laid over into Web three and, and kind of what I liked about the tech. Um, of course, you know, like a lot of people, I came here for the money initially, stayed for the community, but really did fall in love with the tech and kind of the potential for what the blockchain could do for, you know, freeing humanity from you know systems that are kind of broken and maybe a little too uh, old and obsolete. Um, and you know, from now, I guess. The next year or two, what I'm really looking to do is, you know, continue kind of my role and, and maybe expand it. I'm, you know, considering expanding my consulting services to other projects now that I have some more time. Uh, but I've also been kind of on the back burner working on 
uh, two or three businesses that I am hoping to launch in January, actually. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and most of them will be non-Web3 related, but I may actually uh, have one of them be Web3 related. It's taking an AI angle approach to the market and working with some friends on it, but um, I will speak to that when, when it's ready, of course. I love it. Great introduction. You and I got to know each other through the Psychedelics Anonymous community, and full disclosure, I'm a holder, been a Genesis holder since day one. Um, how did you find Psychedelics Anonymous? I know that Voltura had gone on a massive Web3 Twitter media campaign and just built so much interest in the project and in the whitelist. How did you get red-pilled to Psychedelics Anonymous, which I'm guessing was your first foray into NFTs? Am I right in that assumption? Uh, it was not my first. Uh, it was my first one that wasn't a ruck. Um, and, and that was kind of why, why it means so much to me in a lot of ways. But um, I joined, like I said, in November 2021. I think I bought maybe four or five, maybe six projects. Uh, most of them you know, ended up being good, complete rugs, and some of them were slow rugs, or you know, the team decided to leave the space maybe a year later. Um, but for me, uh, PA, I, I think I came across it on Twitter, where I saw they were doing the whitelist games. And the art just stood out to me. I, you know, after getting rugged quite a few times and kind of seeing what was popular in Web3, you know, I was really having a hard time grasping, you know, initially, this was two years ago, what, what was popular, like what was going to do well. And realistically, in that market, everything did well because we were in a bull market, like literally shit could, could you know, be uh, going straight to the moon and it could literally look like shit and you wouldn't understand it. Uh, whereas now it's a little bit more fine-tuned and, and kind of minutia to it where there's community and culture and kind of actual, you know, feedback loops. Um, but for me, you know, the art stood out compared to what I had seen, um, kind of the, you know, resonating message with mental health and psychedelics. Again, uh, something I'm passionate about. I was actually an investor in kind of the marijuana industry a few years back uh, before the elections. And this is before two elections ago uh, before it was getting you know put on the ballot for some states. And I had a similar prediction um, in, in that sense where I think psychedelics is very much going to be on the medis like medicinal forefront of the next few years. And I think it's going to be in products. It's going to be very much uh, treated the same way that marijuana was viewed and kind of had a narrative and a stigma around. Um, and I think, you know, medicinally, that's just you know, just getting started. Um, so a lot of those kind of appealed to me. And then I think I heard him on a space and this was very, very early December, right before um, the official mint. So I think they're approaching their two year anniversary, I think it's technically on the 23rd. Um, but yeah, he was just the most eloquent speaker I had seen at the time, you know, I came into the space majority of people I was following were influencers and people on YouTube that were shilling me bags. And, and realistically, I didn't realize I was buying their bags. <laughs> uh, I, I was still, you know, very naive and, and new to this space two years ago. And, you know, from the initial get go, when I jumped on the space, I could just tell the guy was eloquent and professional. Um, and, you know, after getting to know him through, you know, six months to a year, eventually started working for the team. And now it's been two years of kind of being close to home with the community and, and kind of being a part of it. So, you know, th there wasn't like an initial moment, but I, I think I, I did just catch it on Twitter and then followed it and then, you know, caught him on a space. And I was like, damn, uh, there's something here. 
Yeah, those are certainly wild times. I distinctly remember those spaces. And, you know, he would announce them and they would fill up. And uh, he he was kind of one of the monologue type space people. He would just do his thing and wasn't really an open dialogue, but he would certainly draw and captivate a crowd. What is your specific role right now with the project, if you could define one? For sure. Um, so I'm a consultant and really that is... It's been a mix of things over the last year, if I'm being completely frank with you. Uh, but primarily, I came on as a content lead, and then that's developed over time into a few different facets. So now I basically help assist and, and lead with content. I also lead kind of partnership evaluations and discussions or introductions for New Dawn or, or just general partnerships to save, you know, saving the team time on going through the burden of all the, all the ridiculous shit they get shilled. And then um, also just, you know, I would say kind of advising consulting in terms of for the community. So kind of like a community liaison slash representative. So kind of a, a middleman to make sure that everyone's voices are heard, you know, through the hundreds of people I talk to daily, um, that they feel like the project's going in the right direction. And the team's kind of relayed that all, you know, collated and kind of succinct, not having to go through hundreds of DMs and discords and, you know, a bunch of other things just to kind of get the minutia of what they need to change or do uh, action-wise. You know, you, you've been one of the people that's consistently been grinding through this bear. I like your content a lot because you're positive. You provide education to the space. Um, you have an advocacy for your project that you're affiliated with, and, and I respect that. But you also deliver a lot of quality content and a lot of good positive messages I know that you made a massive pivot during the bear market where you reevaluated your career choices and how you were going to fit into the space. And I'd love to talk a little bit about that uh, from the perspective of someone like you who shows up every day. What, what, what changed? And now where do you see your role going forward in this space? I really appreciate you asking that. That's a really great question. and I feel like most people don't even recognize that, but yeah, I mean, I think maybe six months in, maybe even eight months, even close to a year of being in this space, I realized very early on that it was very heavy engagement farming, giveaways, shitposting. And while I had no problem with that, like inherently, that that's not what I wanted my brand to be. And I also found that the people that did that lost a lot of weight or clout long-term. And... So for me, it was, okay, there's some niches you can kind of really dive into, but which ones are the best? And I don't know, for me, inherently, I've always been someone that, you know, worked in sales and marketing. And I think education to me just kind of came as the bread and butter for what might be, you know, what I thought as a thesis of this is going to be the next wave of creators or influencers, because realistically all the ones shilling their bags, giving you free stuff and rugging people aren't going to be the ones here, you know, three, five years out. It's going to be the people, you know, creating media companies or creating actual brands or projects or tech. Um, and so for me, it was, you know, let's maybe make a pivot towards interviewing some of these really, really, you know, fine-tuned intellectual you know, people and, and kind of get them up and, and get their spotlight. Uh, for me, it was, I'm not an expert on a whole lot of things, but I'd rather have the discussions with the right people to learn. And so that was kind of my pivot was, 
all right, let me stop making content specifically around just one project because realistically, and I can just be frank about this, nothing's guaranteed. No project is guaranteed to succeed or be here 10 years from now. Um, and I don't want that to be the only thing that's tied to how people associate me. So that's kind of why I went the education route, then started, you know, interviewing, you know, different leaders in the space, different founders, uh, different creators on kind of different topics across Web3, kind of built out a series there. And then also started to, you know, write some threads and make um, some other content around just like Web3 education. Um, I will admit, though, over the last few months, my time has definitely kind of strayed away from the amount of time I was putting into that just because I've been building some other stuff I'm excited about, non-Web3 related. Um, and, you know, for me, that that shift was important because I think if you think long term, uh, people are going to associate you with something. And I don't want it to be just with a project because, like I said, that project's brand can diminish over time. It, it can have its ups and downs. Um, and that's also just as a whole, not me, it's a part of me and who I, you know, associate with and, and what I represent, but it's not me as a whole. Um, and I, I think, you know, inherently, I just wanted to have a bigger picture of, you know, what I represent. And that's just like, I want to be a good person helping people kind of through their journey in Web3. You know, I, I wish I had a me back then. And I had definitely had some people that were very kind of focal to my growth, but I don't know. Education and security are probably two of the biggest concerns for a whole lot of people in Web3. I mean, there's been here two years now, and every day I still see people get drained. And these are people I know a lot of the times. So, um, yeah, I just saw education as a gap, kind of took that footing. And I think a lot of people kind of felt, sim you know, similarly. You see video content from a whole lot of creators kind of taking that, that big shift now. Even Thread Guy, you know, stopped doing daily spaces as much of, you know, shooting the shit and now doing way more in-depth interviews or, you know, even Rug Radio, a lot of their hosts are kind of taking that shift as well, where it's, let's get to know the real people building this industry versus, I think in the bull market when we were here initially in 21, we were really just euphoric as hell and just having fun if we're being honest with ourselves and now it's more so like how do we build the next generation of people to come in because i think we all realize we needed some change yeah i think that is a very obvious and natural progression because you had to put in the reps to learn and understand the stuff to learn and understand the technology and the best way to do that is to create content and that's where those long-form threads and the deep thinking comes in but yeah at some point you do have to pivot to what you're building and deploy all that knowledge and all that experience. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from with that perspective. And I, I, I agree with you. The space is evolving. The content is evolving. It's becoming more, uh, I think, interview driven as opposed to just long marathon spaces where everyone is just sort of free thinking. Not that I don't love those spaces, but I think we're kind of going in that direction now where communities are starting to be more interested in learning and understanding. So now going forward, you talked about a big, at the beginning in your intro that we possibly are coming into the bull again. And how are you positioning yourself right now to, to, and I know you don't want to talk about the things you're, you're about to launch, but generally speaking in the web three space, how are you positioning yourself to capitalize on this next run? Great question again. Uh, so it's interesting for me this year, uh, I'll admit it, I wish I had more resources and capital to put into uh, Web3 than previous 
uh, years where, you know, the first year I went very heavy and now I, I just wish I had more capital to deploy because when I see things pump, I'm just like, wow, I knew about this, you know, when it was low, I just didn't have the capital to do it. And that's partly my own fault and also, you know, <laughs> moving into more of an entrepreneur life out of uh, full-time work and now working multiple part-time jobs and building my own thing. Um, at the same time, though, it, it's rewarding. Like, I, I do think, you know, long-term, if these things pan out that I'm building, that I'll be able to deploy any capital um, or means into, I guess, whatever markets I kind of view as advantageous. But right now, how I'm viewing it is pretty much Bitcoin, ETH, Sol. You got to have exposure to all three. Um, I think ordinals and soul as uh, ecosystems of NFTs are going to be hotter than ETH this year. That's just my prediction. And also from just talking to friends and, you know, I think having the right network uh, is really, really key to kind of being a good trader. And this year, while I haven't necessarily had the capital to deploy as much as I would have liked, um, I will say you can still be a good um not necessarily an alpha caller, but an analyst in a lot of senses where you can essentially know what's going to happen or take a good look at the market and be honest with yourself on like what's the best to get exposure to. Uh, whereas I think a year or two ago, I wasn't able to do that as much. Uh, these days, I very much understand the narratives and you don't need to necessarily trade in those markets to understand those narratives, which I think is key for people to understand. Um, but for me, you know, I definitely would... If I had more capital to deploy, I'd be getting some more ordinal NFTs. I'd probably be buying all the top soul NFT ecosystems, to be frank with you. Maybe not the ones at the very top that have already pumped a ton recently. I'd maybe wait for a dip. But uh, again, none of this is financial advice or lawyer advice, as we've stated. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's how I view it. I also think ETH NFTs, until there is a scalable solution right now, it's just unfeasible to see people complaining about you know gas fees to send 20 bucks on ETH and it's just like until that is actually you know challenged or you know the Ethereum Foundation works on a fix as well as you know maybe there's other tech that kind of comes in whether it's layer two or other means that I'm unfamiliar with that there you know maybe there's solutions out there people are already brainstorming but uh, it just doesn't make sense for ETH like nfts in a bull market to be successful again like i don't think we're to be going back to you know other side mints where people are paying two eth in gas like we've already gone through that pain i don't think anyone wants to go through that again um but at the same time i do think soul bitcoin and eth all have their advantages and disadvantages in terms of narratives especially if you talk to the maxis um so it's just kind of key to have exposure to all three i, I do think of the three, probably ETH and Soul is more undervalued in terms of like ROI. But again, that no one really knows. It's going to be an interesting year, I think. Good observation. You know, I think I kind of went through the same learning curve. It sounds like that you did, where I burned a good deal of dry powder on NFTs and experimenting, learning, and understanding. And uh, a lot of that stuff has either gone dormant or has completely disappeared. And now. Uh, we're all trying to reposition for the next run and, you know, deploying capital in anticipation of what's going to be the next big thing. I think you're smart to play on, on the big chains that, that you think are going to have prominence going forward. 
and you open up a great question. Um, a lot of people are debating this right now. As Solana continues to get traction in the space, and of course, they are about to launch a super fast uh, network where they're going to be able to process uh, just an astounding number of transactions per second. It does beg the question, what is the inherent value of ETH after that goes into testnet and becomes a viable product in the space? Do you see a use case for ETH that's going to be able to be competitive right now, in your opinion, with what Sol is doing and what they're about to do? Oh, this is tough. Um, in my opinion, yes, uh, but I'm not. And again, this is not an expert opinion by any means. I, I just think that there's always been a use case. I also think that, you know, Vitalik is just a chad. And I think long term, they will figure it out. But at the same time, I do think the scalability is an issue. Um, I don't think that you know, large conglomerates, corporations, even mass adoption of users is going to necessarily happen on Ethereum. I, I think it could happen on Sol. Um, it could happen on other chains as well. Um, and, you know, you could make the same argument for Bitcoin, but the, the thing that Bitcoin has is the narrative of being really the cryptocurrency. Um, and you really can't beat that. So <laughs> when it comes to the other ones, it, it becomes a little bit more challenging. Um, and Sol also, you know, the interesting narrative that I had kind of, I guess, expressed to me that I didn't know beforehand is when you think about, you know, ordinals versus soul NFTs. Um, yes, soul NFTs might have a hotter run this year, but realistically, the ones that hit ordinal wise are going to hit so much bigger. Because the thing is, as it, they continue to kind of grow in, in popularity, it's going to become more and more expensive to put them on chain. And so only the strongest will actually be put on chain or even the strongest will survive. So that's an interesting narrative to think about because you think about soul NFTs, literally anything can be put on chain and you're still going to have rugs and, and you know BS projects that are kind of propagated. So I think that is kind of an interesting kind of analysis to look at long term because... I still think there's going to be a whole lot more BS pumped out on Soul than Bitcoin, uh, but at the same time, it is harder to find the you know the diamonds in the rough on Bitcoin versus Soul, where, where it's very clear. Um, so I, I think that's important to note. Yeah, look, I, I I've been thinking about this question too, and I'm starting to see, I'm starting to get the impression that ETH is going to become kind of a boutique chain where it is tested, expensive, relatively speaking, but reliable and has a lot of sharding and layer two uh, potential plays. Soul seems to be more of the consumer-based, faster, cheaper, could be a much easier pivot for brands, especially for ticketing, just like you kind of alluded that brands might be more interested. Bitcoin ordinals, um, limitations in what you can do with them, but no question value because at the core of the Bitcoin ordinal is that it's a sat. So it is it is a fractional uh, mode of exchange for Bitcoin. And I think the, the, the ultimate problem with all NFT-based uh, narratives when it comes to these chains is the illiquidity. Because if there isn't a demand, then there isn't a real use case and we're seeing that Solana has more than doubled ETH as far as use right now when it comes to the NFT side. Uh, 
And I'm trying to figure out, and because look, you're you're part of the you're part of the psychedelic anonymous community. They've experimented with the new Dawn platform where they've been instead of selling the actual NFT, they're doing trait exchanges where you can upgrade and and revamp your existing NFT, which I find to be an interesting use case. But do you think that in any way, shape, or form, ETH is going to be able to regain its position as far as volume of NFT transactions, or is that ship sailed? So that's another great point. And I mean, I think it's important to know maybe some considerations or maybe some learnings that I've come across through my, my time in the market. So just a few things. One, liquidity is king. Uh, two, take profits religiously and too often, because realistically, had I taken profits in my first few months of NFTs, I'd be swimming pretty right now, and I could buy literally whatever the fuck I wanted. Um, oh, I can remember <laughs> looking at that floor price on oh, a yeah. full set. Oh, and, yeah, I know. I feel your pain. I, I could buy multiple board apes right now. I could literally buy anything I wanted had, had I sold the top. So really just realistically and it's not saying that I would have left pa but i would have just bought way more now um, and it's just so important to know that liquidity is so key and like you said the illiquidity of nfts is really important to know so yes there might be you know some benefits to being in the major play ecosystems of ordinal soul eth at the same time i do think from being here for two years my biggest kind of learning lesson is really just pick up floors and, and don't go after like grails and rares because the illiquidity and this is something i've experienced myself of ha having to sell those when you want to make other plays or you know dive into other things or other chains becomes remarkably harder and it, it's way more challenging as a trader to sit there and know you could do something but you have something that is just so hard to sell because it takes you know a very very you know specific buyer um and so when it comes to eth kind of regaining that popularity i, I kind of agree with you that it's going to be more of the premium option like we're going to see more of the established brands use it um i don't think it's going to lose its footing because this is the way i think about it um inherently yes if bitcoin soul or eth pump you do think usually the majority of those ecosystem nfts if they're you know serious contenders will likely pump too in some cases it doesn't work out that way um and i think we're noticing more and more now because of bitcoin and soul's popularity for this upcoming year that that narrative is just being stronger for them but when you think about let's say bitcoin pumping to 100 200 500k hypothetically is soul going to be the next one to pump after that no it's going to be ethereum because bitcoin and ethereum maxis are pretty much the main driving forces of crypto early on days um, nowadays and i still think very much the pillars of well, when people think about you know crypto those are the first two they name off soul is becoming that third one very much so um so i, I don't think it's going to lose its footing but it is very hard to say whether or not uh, it regains that number two spot like consistently throughout the year maybe soul takes it again because of that potential roi factor but it's it's hard to say man because ethereum just still has so much provenance and like historical nfts as well as history that it, it's just i mean you also can't beat that either like when we talk about like bitcoin being the, the one cryptocurrency that everyone thinks about 
um, you know, Ethereum does have quite a history of, of things that have happened. Like, I mean, crypto punks aren't going to move chains. Uh, so like, that, that's just an interesting thing to think about. Like, I, I don't know if there's going to be something that overtakes it or maybe, you know, Soul and ETH just become kind of the predominant number two. Who knows? It's a tough thing to answer, to be honest. Well, it's interesting because I think the, the trait narrative, I agree with you. I think Blur and what happened with the Blur points farming essentially rendered all trait-based uh, NFTs uh, fungible as opposed to non-fungible because it really was irrelevant when you were doing these massive blur farming trades, what the traits were. And yep. it it's totally changed the whole dynamic, which is why I think the new Dawn pivot is fascinating to me. I know you play a lot in it. I haven't experimented with it at all. For sure. Yeah. Th- let me answer that a little bit more to yeah. really dive into that portion. Um, so I, I think what's interesting for pa too is a lot of people just see you know new dawn product and think oh that they just built this product like who the fuck's going to use this but realistically a lot of people don't know this hundreds of people in pa were making custom edits of their pa before new dawn was ever a thing like i I had you were doing that you were doing that i I was one of the first literally putting a custom background on mine because i thought it looked fucking cool uh and over time more people were like oh the traits in this ecosystem are really cool but also like you know what if we could mix and match traits like what if we could bring new traits into the ecosystem so there was already a need and a desire from the community even though it wasn't like necessarily clearly you know direct and and voiced all the time Uh, and that was the opportunity and i think when you you speak to blur specifically it's a perfect example of you know they kind of rendered all nfts essentially floors unless you have like a, a top you know, a 100 kind of rarity or a one of one. Um, and in a lot of senses, it's funny because in the PA's ecosystem, you don't see a lot of sales, like crazy sales these days, uh, especially the last six to eight months when the products become even hotter because everything happens on the platform. So people would rather buy a trait, um, you know, that's rare that they inherently specifically want versus something that's maybe a blend of things that's maybe overpriced and that could burn them. Um, and it's also now it's fun cause it's kind of broken down almost like every NFT is a blank canvas. Um, sure that canvas could have rare properties to it that you might pay more for. Um, but you can also deconstruct it and just have those properties be kind of individual kind of aspects. So it adds like a dual layer to trading. Now you have the NFT layer and you have all those individual properties being layers of basically sales channels for you. Um, so I think for that part, it's been really interesting because it's kind of created like another wave of excitement within the PA community. I would say the first wave was kind of game theory and crazy airdrops and kind of the bull market. And, you know, the second one has been kind of around the love of the art and customization and kind of building your own identity. Um, And also the nice thing is, yeah, I mean, you can pretty much keep your NFTs while still taking profit, uh, which is pretty unheard of, you know, aside from previous days where everyone was just getting crazy airdrops and you'd sell those for profit. But being able to keep your NFT over time while maybe making some tweaks to it and, you know, taking profits on different traits along the way uh, has kind of led to just way more fruitful conversations, the community being closer, you know, them sharing more creations, um, as well as, you know, the trade packs have been hot. It's kind of crazy, but literally every single one is sold out and, you know, it's made the, the business completely sustainable. So 
I'm pretty excited about kind of the developments they're announcing this weekend because, you know, obviously have uh, helped source some of the conversations, but I'm always privy to uh, what happens. Uh, luckily, as a consultant, I get, get to just, you know, uh, participate as a community member rather than a insider. So I don't get any uh, advanced information, which is super nice. Uh, but I do help them kind of guide them in terms of what needs to be done or what might be the right direction. So um, I, I think New Dawn wise, it's, you know, first year was really just a matter of building out the features and making sure the community really loved what they saw. Um, and there's still some features coming. Um, and then I think, you know, as Volt has kind of hinted, this next year's going to be expansion. So, um, you know, whether that's partnerships or different collections or, you know, different facets of New Dawn, but I'm excited about it. But I, I think when you think about trade economies, it's interesting because people have such a convoluted uh, message about it. It's either really hot or really cold for them. Uh, but if you just look at identity over time, like people have always spent money on clothes, makeup, cars, houses, posters, uh, bracelets, jewelry, rings, um, literally anything over time. And now over the last five years, it's kind of shifted to digital identities. So now people are spending way too much money on 2K packs, Fortnite skins, Call of Duty guns and, and skins and characters. Uh, I see that same trend happening with NFTs. I don't think it's applicable to every NFT. And I think that's why maybe we get some pushback. Like I, I'm not trying to ever you know, convince anyone that crypto punks or board apes will be necessarily within a trade economy because they, they might be too historic at this point to even kind of consider that. Uh, but as a revenue stream, it's made pretty much PA or New Dawn sustainable from there when royalties got cut, where a lot of other projects a year ago, no longer here. Um, and a lot of people said PA would no longer be here, but still very much here. You know, even if people don't love our four price, you know, fuck them. Maybe they'll join, maybe they won't. Um, and that, that's just life. And I, I think realistically, you know, you got to keep building and, and kind of just making the mission at hand where people can kind of see it. Um, but it's not going to be for everyone. Like, you know, dress up with your NFTs is going to be for some people. It's not going to be for everyone. And I think you just have to understand that point because if you talk to the people that really are, you know, staunch against it, uh, majority have never used a platform like what they're speaking against. Whereas if you speak to the maxis, they're pretty much power users and, and they can help you understand why they love it so much. Well, what's fascinating about, and, and for those who don't know and may tune into this later on, on the podcast format, Voltura is the founder of Psychedelics Anonymous. And I, I was fascinated with the pivot that he made because at the exact moment when Blur was essentially making every NFT a floor and when royalties were going over a cliff, um, he made an interesting pivot where he created this marketplace, this new dawn secondary marketplace, where he was able to retain royalties for the project, as I understand it, and also create his own marketplace for the sales, which did keep the project moving forward in a way that others were not able to do. So it's impressive how that was um, how that was done and, and how he was able to, 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 to pivot in that respect. So I'm curious to see. Now I question about it because I don't I don't have any new dawn exposure. I don't play in that space, just frankly, because I just haven't had the time. But if you're wearing one of those specific traits on your profile picture and you have it simultaneously listed on the New Dawn marketplace, how does that work? Are you able to sell what you're wearing on your on your profile picture? Uh, no. So, 
it, it would have to be off your NFT for you to sell the trait individually. Uh, but you could technically wear it and, and list the NFT as a whole. Uh, but no, you would have to deconstruct or extract the um, NFT's traits, and then you could basically reconstruct it when, when you're recustomizing. And then constructing, uh, construction premium is the gasless solution. So that is basically, it's a, essentially a dressing room where you have your trait gallery, and that's everything you've earned or acquired or maybe extracted. And then you can just go into the gallery or your you know trait dressing room and basically pick and match and kind of uh, pull things on and off without having to use gas or, or fees. So that that's just strictly credits. Interesting. Another project that was kind of going around at the same time is the Izu project, where there was a big move uh, by the psychedelics team into partnering sort of with Izu on the NFC and the wearable side of NFT technology, that has essentially gone a bit dormant at this point. Do you know anything about what the future looks like for that project? And I think that was actually a soul-based project too, which is also interesting to me. Uh, so it's an ETH-based project, but it, it minted on um, Magic Eden's Launchpad as, that's the right, first, that's right. as the first ETH NFT via CrossMint. Um, it's still an ongoing project. They have pretty much... Uh, a much quieter Twitter presence because they do everything in-house and on Discord nowadays. Uh, but I do believe they have some announcements coming there. It's still very much the same direction. NFC chips um, in clothing. And really the angle is for merch brands. Um, realistically, yes. You know, a lot of Web3 users are going to see the potential for loyalty points or re rewards via tokens for wearing certain brands or wearing your favorite brands. But the... You know, side to it that is really, really powerful, and it's also why you know Artifact, as well as other you know teams, have already gone into that direction as well. Is kind of the data points around what you can do for customers uh, from kind of the supplier side. So let's say you're a store front and you have like you know hats, shirts, pants. Um, you might know which ones are the best sellers, but you might not know what's worn the most. And what's worn the most is realistically what you're going to want in your storefront, as well as also what is you know consistently being bought and worn the most. Um, and you can kind of change up your storefront as well as kind of your kind of data points and your sales channels to kind of, I would say, make more ROI or a more fruitful ROI. Uh, so I think that potential is still very strong. It's just a matter of getting the tech in the right hands. And I, I think from Izu's side, it's just a matter of going via partnerships. I'm not really on the Izu team, though, just strictly PA. So I can't really speak much there. No, no, no. And full disclosure, I do hold some Izu NFTs. I thought it was fascinating when it dropped. And, uh, you know, I, I was just curious to see how that played in because it is sort of almost a, it's sort of a physical trait play with the NFC and being able to track the wearables. Um, I was, I was very fascinated with it when it, when it dropped, but I haven't seen any project really make any huge in grounds with NFCs yet. And maybe no, it's because and, we're and, a little early. Even, yeah, we, we still are. And even nine DCC, which is probably, I would say the most prominent one. Yeah. Uh, G money. With G money. Yeah. And, and that's a great team. And, and they're kind of seeing the same, I would say challenges that most teams are is that it's difficult to scale as of now still. Um, and the challenge is it's also very expensive um, for some of these teams or even on the user side. So, you know, 90 C's merch is a little bit more premium. That's harder to scale to mass adoption. 
Whereas, you know, maybe the ones that aren't as premium, but maybe have less of a well-known name, harder to get brand recognition or the right partnerships. So it's, you know, a give and take. And I still think, you know, fashion is going to be key for blockchain just because if you think about how much, you know, fake uh, or like scammy stuff has happened like internationally for every major like fashion brand, like they're going to want stuff that's verifiably like confirmed by the brand. Um, and as AI kind of improves too, more and more fakes are just going to get, you know, let out, <laughs> you know, on the loose. So I, I do think that is a very important factor. It's just, there's no guarantee on who's going to nail it. You know, I think Artifact is probably one of the biggest players and probably is going to have a nice edge. Um, so I definitely would always watch them. But I mean, you even see them in some cases, they're going more of the physical route with their shoes um, and kind of avoiding the chips for merch for now. Uh, but it is interesting to see. I mean, I guess how it develops as well as, you know, for Izu's end, you know, the app is still, you know, I think it's both on Android and App Store. They're adding some, I think, features this next year. Um, but, I mean, who, who really knows, I guess, where Move to Earn and as well as, I guess, where to earn kind of goes. And then factor into that the whole real-world asset uh, component of this where everything is going to be tokenized, it seems. Um, I guess there there's so many use cases. I want to close with this question for you, Klaus, because you've talked about your journey. You've talked about uh, what you do different this time around. And I want to close with where do you see Klaus going in 2024? And 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 what is your roadmap for what you'd like to do in this space in the next coming year? Appreciate that question. Um, so for me, this next year is very much uh, about just distinguishing myself. Um, I think now, you know, the first year was becoming maybe a voice within PA, and second year was maybe becoming more of a voice within education and maybe a, a thought leader. And then now, uh, this year is becoming more and more of a I would say fine-tuned thought leader, you know, growing my own self-development skills as well as helping others. Um, there's a few initiatives that hopefully we'll be releasing. Um, but yeah, I just want to be remembered as someone that kind of added to the space, uh, you know, versus there's a whole lot of characters that extract. <laughs> and, uh, you know, end goal wise, I would also very much like to have the businesses I'm, I'm running and kind of, you know, working on uh, go well launch wise. And then uh, for PA, you know, also to get some love and recognition they rightfully deserve because a whole lot of people will give them a whole lot of harp and uh, flame for uh, no reason at all when realistically there's been a whole lot of projects that have dissipated and disappeared when very much like you said, you know, we made a key pivot and, and kind of uh, calm the reins at, at a key moment. And I think one thing that people always forget and don't understand is... Uh, no one bought that board ape with laser eyes uh, for you know whatever amount of ETH because they liked every single trait. They liked the laser eyes. No one bought that gold fur ape because they liked you know the bow tie. They bought it because the gold fur. And I think that applies to most things. You could say it for crypto punks and azukis. You know, speared azukis as an example. If you could buy those traits individually, I'm pretty sure people would. And I think that's the grand picture is it takes time for people to fully understand that. And it's it's not applicable to everyone, but it is exciting for sure. And, and for me, I'm glad to just be a part of that and hopefully waking some people up to it. Well, Klaus, I really appreciate it. Thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I will get this thing downloaded and up on podcast format uh, just as soon as I can. Um, 
really, really enjoyed getting the chance to catch up with you. And I'm very excited to see what you deliver in January 2024. So I wish you all the best and thank you for joining today on LexLine. And thank you to everyone who took the time to hang with us today. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Thanks again, Klaus. Huge thank you, Carlo. I'll even give you a hint. So I'm making a apparel brand slash design brand. I am making a AI tool. Well, I didn't make the AI tool. I'm working with some friends that, that built it. Um, and then the third thing is around uh, natural medicine and, and health. But I'll, I'll let that come in due time. I love it. I love it. Great talking with you, Klaus, and, and look forward to see what you do in this space. You definitely are one of the positive thinkers and leaders in the space and, and underappreciated. So I hope that this uh, will give you more exposure. If you have not followed Klaus yet, please do. And uh, look forward to catching up with you all again next week on the next Lex Line brought to you in conjunction with our friends at Rug Radio. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone.